Hey, everybody. Have you considered starting a podcast? We here at Screwball highly recommend Podbean for getting your podcast out to a larger audience. Podbean has given us the opportunity to easily bring you Screwball each and every week on all of your favorite podcast services. Use the link podbean.com slash screwball to sign up and save up to 35% annually. You can also use the link podbean.com slash pro slash screwball to sign up for a business subscription. Happy podcasting. Hey everybody, welcome back to Screwball, a baseball podcast, your home for everything baseball. I'm your host, Mike Lepree, here with my co-host, Frank White. Hey, how's it going? This is episode 115 of Screwball, and this week, uh, I hope everyone had a good uh, 4th of July weekend, uh, we're safe and, and enjoyed. Uh, we had a pretty good week of baseball, though, a little odd as we kind of brought up in, in previous weeks that some teams just didn't play 4th of July, it was kind of strange, but overall, a, a good week in baseball, I had some... Some oddities, some firsts in baseball, which is kind of cool. But let's start with big news last week, kind of as the episode went live, uh, probably, you know, after we recorded um, the whole Freddie Freeman situation. So last week during uh, Freddie Freeman's emotional return to Atlanta, a report came out that Freeman had fired his agent from XL Sports Management due to a reported final offer made by the Braves that was not brought to Freeman. Now, the agent denies the report and claims that he was fully transparent with Freeman through all the negotiations, but what really happened here? So, in kind of that's like the short version, but basically what happened was Freddie Freeman went back to Atlanta. It was very emotional for him. He was crying, I think, in the press conference. And, and shortly thereafter, I think even in the last game, it came out that um, the agent, or he fired the agent because the Braves made a final offer that he would have taken, but he wasn't aware of. So, however, that transpired while he was in Atlanta. He might have talked to the brass there, and they said, hey, I, you know, what happened with this deal, you know. Uh, however, it transpired, but the, the agent denies that he wasn't transparent with uh, Freddie Freeman, which is, I think the whole situation is kind of unique uh, in in kind of sports. Like, you don't often see a report where the agent didn't give an offer to a player, or at least wasn't, or there was some miscommunication there, especially with a thing like Freddie Freeman, who wanted to be in Atlanta. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I'm sure he's happy in LA, but his heart, you could tell his heart was in Atlanta. Um, and then that sets up, you know, you, you start setting up the what ifs with Matt Olson. Where does he fall? You know, uh, does he then end up going to the Dodgers or does someone else swing in and try to get him? So then you start to play the what if game. But um, I think it was a really unique situation that caught my eye. And uh, I think that it sucks for Freddie Freeman that, and it's kind of an awkward situation for the Dodgers too, because the Dodgers kind of just swung in and got him because they wanted him. And, you know, they didn't do anything wrong. And now it kind of almost feels like, you know, it feels weird for that organization too. It's like, well, did he even really want to be here? Then Freddie Freeman, does he question, does he really want to be here? You know, so questions get brought up, but I thought it was, um, I thought it was worth mentioning because it was big, big news last week and we didn't get to cover it. Uh, the second piece of news here, like I kind of mentioned at the top of the show that there were some firsts in baseball this week. Uh, the twins turned on the first eight, five triple play in history. So it's kind of hard to explain, but basically in a, in a wild play uh, on the 4th of July, uh, the play, this is how the play broke down. So Buxton made a catch for the first out where there, there was a man on first and second. The second out, he threw to Gio Rochelle at third and he tagged out Yohan Moncada, who was trying to get back to, I believe he was trying to get back to first. And then, yeah, he was the runner first base when the play began. Then the third out is Urshela, Urshela just ran over and stepped on second base to double off. Uh, Adam Engel, who was already pretty much at home plate at that time. So Buxton makes this catch, and the runners were just going, so Urshela just caught the ball, tagged on Moncada, tagged second, and triple play. So it was just an 8-5 to five triple play. 
I thought that was worth mentioning because it's it's rare that you get firsts like that in the game, and uh, I just thought it was like what more could go wrong for you know for that team than a triple play and an eight to five triple play is unbelievable. Um, so like I said, I thought that was just kind of worth mentioning. Uh, the third piece of news here regards uh, Julio Rodriguez uh, making history, another first in baseball. So with Monday's home run on on July fourth. Julio Rodriguez hit his 15th of the season, and um, they made some like more obscure history, I would say. Julio Rodriguez reached 15 career home runs and 20 career stolen bases in 81 games, which is the fastest of any player in history. So the five fastest to reach the two milestones are uh, Julio Rodriguez, now uh, number one, Ellis Burks, second, he did it in 82 games, Cal Daniels in 88 games, Barry Bonds did it in 90 games, and Eric Davis did it in 91 games. So pretty good just with Barry Bonds and Eric Davis there, it's a pretty good company. He did it faster than those guys. And for those that you don't really know, specifically with Barry Bonds, because we knew Eric Davis was a pretty a pretty fast and, you know, power hitter. Uh, Barry Bonds, you know, we kind of know him as the all-time home run leader and the big, big steroided out yeah. uh, uh, guy. But early in his career, he was a base stealer. I think he was he's the only 500-500 guy, something like that. I think, he's only, I think he might be the only 400-400. Yeah, so, I mean, Barry Bonds was, you know, pure pure athlete uh for most of his career so that's good company to be in but again i I thought to see a first like that or at least uh you know a young star of the game kind of already reaching these milestones quickly was kind of cool and julio rodriguez was a can't miss prospect it felt like you know he was coming up and it was like you know here comes the mariners next guy so hopefully you could keep going because we had kalanick struggle so far yeah 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 him and kalanick were the two guys coming up and the one's not very good right now and the other one's uh the other one's really kind of leading the charge for the team so yeah worth mentioning yeah Uh, some news i got here to add uh we had nolan ornato hit for the cycle again was i guess debatable single he got there his last at bat but hit for the cycle again his last one i believe he hit the walk-off home run for colorado to complete the cycle back in the day um you know, we have the All-Star game coming up, so we see a lot of the voting kind of finishing or the first round of voting. Judge and Acuna, I believe, were the top. And um, you kind of see who – those guys kind of already made the, made the All-Star game, right, the, the first round of voting. Those guys make it. Now are they going to be the starters, right? That's kind of where we're at with the new voting system. So we're kind right. of seeing how that plays out. But you're coming to the wire here on who's actually making the All-Star game, which is pretty cool. And then we have who's in the home run derby. No one yet. No one has announced. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Judge say he's not going to do it. A couple guys say they're not going to do it. So – we're only, I would say, a week, a couple days away from starting to really see who's going to be in the home run derby, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. And I think my last piece of news here kind of goes with the topic a little bit, I think, one way or another. And my uh, last piece of news is just the Angels' dysfunction <laughs> of whatever they're doing. Because Phil Nevin's been terrible for them. Yep. The team got more suspensions than they have wins. Um, the team has not done anything since they got rid of Joe Madden. And the team has just been faltering. Injuries, not winning, embarrassing, suspensions with some of the most talent in the league. So uh, I just want to bring up how he has not been helpful for the Angels, and he has just not righted the ship, made it worse. Um, And that brings us to the topic um, a little bit. And is it, are the players really, do the players get left out more now with the finger pointing? Mm-hmm. whose fault it is and what's going on because it is the managers and coaches and the GMs and things like that but it's also on the players they play the game right so if you're just terrible example we're going to use here is going to be Joey Callow mm. <laughs> he's terrible how much is that coaching 
the guy doesn't want to learn how to hit the ball. Or Chris Davis. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to. They didn't care. They might try things, but they're not. They're not putting in their their effort. Even maybe Sanchez with the Yankees mm-hmm. just wasn't putting the effort in. Where you can say this guy really wants to try changing something. Right. So who? How, how, at some point, it's the player's fault. Like, hey, you got to play better. You're the one getting paid millions of dollars. You're the one that has a career here, right? The back of your baseball card. You're the one that has to do something. Yeah. The manager only could do so much. The coaching can only do so much, right? I know we see with Larusa with the White Sox. They want to get rid of Larusa. <clears throat> oh well, you know he's the reason why they're not playing good. Is that the reason? Could it be a part of it? Sure. Tony Larusa is one of the best managers of all time, so I'm not really sure getting rid of Larusa is going to help. Look at the Angels. They got rid of Joe Madden and tried mixing things up. They got worse. Right. Substantially worse. So, you know, then at that point, then what do you do? We fired the manager. That didn't work. Well, mm. then who's the next player? It's the players. Yeah. You got to pick yourself up and be better. Someone has to step up and be the leader. Someone has to step up and play better. And someone has to, uh, accountability. You're going to pay millions and millions and millions of dollars. You could just not have a manager. And what happens? Okay, maybe the team suffers, right? Mm. If you don't have a, a shortstop, you can't win. You can't play. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have somebody play on the field. You can't play. So the manager can only push all the right buttons and push all the buttons. Sure, he can cost you a win, maybe, maybe cost you a little bit. But the players, you know, if I'm a 300 hitter and you're expecting me to hit 300 and I come out and bat 220, it's my fault. Right. I'm the reason we're losing. <clears throat> Not because the manager hit the wrong button because he pulled in Joe Smith to be the bullpen guy instead of, you know, Billy. And yeah. that's not the, you know, that's not the reason why I'm batting 220. Oh, well, the manager should help him. Well, the managers and the coaches only do so much. Agreed. I think we're getting away in, in all sports of the players being at fault here and just the managers. Oh, mismanager. Hey, oh, we're not playing good. Let's just get rid of the manager. Mm. Sure. That That's not, listen, that's still an effective way to look at the Phillies. Right. But what that did was, hey, we got rid of the manager. You guys have been bad. And all of a sudden now the, the point is back on the fl- players. The Phillies even said that. Phillies players were like, hey, that was our fault. Right. It was a wake up call. And then they, they stepped it up. But you have to put the pressure on the players. Mm-hmm. So that's I just wanted to bring that topic up, just because we do see a lot of where we're at with Gallo as an example. You know, whose fault is that? Coaches yeah. only can do so much. If the guy doesn't want to learn how to be a base hit hitter and try changing his swing and starting over, then, he, you know, he's not going to ever get better. Right. And what's the manager going to do? Well, why do they play him? Why can't they send him down? You can't send him down. You pay him $20 million. You can't just send these guys not play him, just waste the roster spot. He has to play. So you got to, you know, you can't just, uh, whatever. You know, yeah. so the blame has to be on, on both sides here. But I think sometimes the players are just kind of getting away with it a little. Like, I you're agree. the one playing. Right? Yeah. Like I said, you could just not have a manager. The game's still going to play. Mm. Some You, you have to, you, you got to play. Yeah. You got to win. Yeah, the manager's supposed to help you, put you in the right spot and give you tips and, and coach you and do the things like that. But you've got to be yourself. At some point, you're facing the other pitcher. Mm. You got to get a hit. What's the manager going to do with that? Right. Well, oh, I should have been batting second instead of leadoff. Like, what? Mm-hmm. you got to get a hit. Yeah. So at some point, the player has to step and be like, hey, I'm not playing good. I need to do something. Let me change something. Let me change this. Change my stance. Let me go to my hitting coach. Hey, let's try something. Hey, let's try this. Hey, my my, you know, my wind-up's off. Let's try this as a pitcher. There's things you could do instead of just beating your head up against the wall. I'm like, oh, it's the manager's fault. It's the manager's fault you got a 60 year right this year. Right. It has nothing to do with the fact that you just, you know, didn't want to do nothing. Yeah. And, you know, these guys are trying, right? I mean, I don't know about Gallo, but <laughs> some of these guys are trying. Chris Davis, you know, you know the reports for him. You, you didn't want to change your swing. Right. But then, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, that's on you. So then, you know, he's got to be, that's his fault. 
don't go firing the manager because this guy doesn't want to listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you see the White Sox too yesterday with the run, the base run, and they calls that triple play. It was pathetic. That's, I mean, is that Tony Russo's fault? What's he gonna do? He's not running the bases. Yeah. Oh well, they gotta know not to run. They gotta know not to run when there's not two outs on a fly ball. I think they should know that. Yeah, I think that's basic baseball. I don't think Tony Russo needs to really be be there telling them that. Yeah. Again, you know, I think that the the Angels was a prime example of that. Joey Gallo, Chris Davis, guys like that in the past. You know, yes, the players, the managers, they have their own blame, right? But the players are just, it almost just seems like they're just getting, like, hey, this team's struggling, what's going on? And it's almost like, well, he's having a but you got to remember this guy. Like, it's, it's almost a quick, like, well, you know, we're not playing that guy, but the manager, like, it, it's almost yeah. like a quick push-off yeah. to the manager, to the coaching. Right. I can't be. Oh, the players have to be responsible, and they have to take, you know, respect on what goes on. They're in control of other people's jobs. And the Phillies, I think that's what happened when they fired Girardi. The players even said, they were like, yeah, it put the pressure back on us. Like, hey, we're controlling other people's jobs. We've been bad. we got to step up. Mm-hmm. And they might have a team meeting. Harper, I'm not sure. He's, he's Harper seems to be a great leader. And I think all of a sudden it turned. He was like, we've been shit. we got to step up. We're the ones playing, not him. we got to step up and help help our managers out. And all of a sudden, they're back and on. So sometimes, you know, you gotta you got to point that finger. And I think it, it used to be that way. And then all, all sports kind of turning, especially in other sports. We see basketball where it's just, you know, each year they want to go to a different team and be a super team and just kind of play with all the all-stars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it doesn't work because this guy's a bonehead and this one doesn't want to play, and then all of a sudden it's the manager they fire, right? We see mm-hmm. it all the time in basketball, all yeah. the time. Yeah. All, I mean, all the time. Yeah, basketball is the biggest culprit. But I think we're starting to see that kind of translate into some of these other, other sports where the players got to be the ones, you know, you just signed a $150 million deal. If I'm a good manager, I'm making a couple million dollars a year, mm. which is great. Don't get me wrong. I like love, love to take that, but you're the one who got to bat 300. I got to just, you know, put you in the right spot. Make sure you are batting 300. But when you're supposed to be the four hitter and I put you in the four spot and you, you don't do nothing that well, that's not my fault. Yeah, you got to bat the four spot, right? You're the four yeah. hitter. So, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of that. I see a lot of, a lot of that more recent where the players kind of just kind of are getting not brought to the, the attention of, of the issues by the fans so much or by the media where it's kind of just like we're just passing it off to the coaches. Well, you're the one striking out in a fa- forcing fastball right down the middle. Mm-hmm. I seen that Brewers game yesterday. I think it was Eric Lauer or whatever. He struck out five guys in a row at one point or his last five strikeouts. They were literally all fastballs right down the middle. <laughs> How are we not hitting this guy? He's throwing 93 miles per hour. He's throwing fastballs down the middle. Like what's the problem? Well, that's not the manager's fault. Yeah. Someone go hit the ball. How are you missing it? It's a fastball down the middle. This guy ain't painting corners. It literally was right down the middle. You guys go look it up. So someone's got to be like, hey, you know, we're uh, dog shit. Yeah. So somebody, you know, they hit the ball. Like, wait, 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 you know. I don't yeah. know. I, no, like, I get it. It seems to be more and more, you know, each year we kind of see this. And I get it. Like I said, the manager, I get it. We got to fire them sometimes and send a message. But sometimes I just feel like the players don't get said enough. Well, this guy's batting 200 this year. You know, Juan Soto's batting 226 this year. But ain't Davey Martinez's fault you're batting 226 and you're supposed to be batting 336. Yeah. Manager can't have that much of an so effect. How, yeah. So at one point, when did we go, hey, Soto, what's going on, buddy? Right. We're going to start pointing fingers at you now, right? When does that happen? Yeah, because at the end of the day, you're at the plate and you're trying to hit the ball. So yeah. the manager can't take the bat and hit the ball for you. Yeah. And then um, go ahead, because if Davey Martinez bats Juan Soto sixth, all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. You have to bat him to two, three hole, right? That's what he do. So you have to put him in a two, three hole. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't perform. Well, that's your fault. Yeah, right. like I'm batting your ninth, and you're batting 350. He's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know what I mean? There's no point. 
Yeah, I think that there needs to be more accountability on the on the players' part. Uh, not that they take the full blame because there is a level that the manager needs to gel with his own team and oh, bring yeah. a positive, you know, vibe to the team and and kind of make it a cohesive unit. That's what the manager brings and and you know make puts pushes the right buttons, makes sense of the lineup. Yeah, it's just and a, it's you know a, it's a pull push and pull. Right. With the managers and the coaches and the players, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's more of a, I don't know if it's 50-50. I don't know. I wouldn't say, you know, it's 50-50 or it's 65-50. You know, I don't really know the percentage. But right now, it just feels like the the manager coaching side is... is it's slipping a little. Getting pulled on a little harder. And the players are like, it's okay. We'll yeah. Go, we'll go punch this guy over here and make sure he gets you, gets you going. Yeah. Instead of being like, hey, you know, we're going to yell him, but we're going to also yell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a little... You know? Yeah, a little of both, you know. So I it mean, it just feels like if it was 50-50, it's right now it's not 50-50. It's 60 something 40, you know. It's like okay, well, which is again just changes the game, but I think we just got to watch that because I think the Phillies are a great example mm. of what happened when the players got a little pressure put on them. And then we see the Angels what happened when you put get rid of your manager thinking that was the problem and the Angels have literally dysfunction at its finest and and all all the major sports. Yeah. I mean, whatever you sport you want you want to talk about uh <laughs> The football giants and their dysfunction at times, or the, the Raiders or the Jets, because like, there's been some teams there. The Browns, mm-hmm. Angels are at that. Yeah, the Angels are, are mightily at the dysfunction of any of the other franchises we've seen in the last couple of years. Hockey, I don't really know. Hockey franchise dysfunction. I don't know the Whalers or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I right. Know, yeah. You know, um, basketball's like the Pistons, right? Mm. I mean, just dysfunction's at an all-time high. The Angels have some of the most talent in any sport. Yeah. And they, they are just dysfunction. I mean, terrible. Then you put the pressure on the managers and on the coaching staff, and that didn't work. Right. So it's like, okay, well, now what do we do? Mm. There hasn't been a thing said about the players yet. We haven't seen a report. So it's like, okay, well, you you said it was their fault. Obviously, it wasn't their fault. So now you're going to come out and say it's the players' fault? Well, now, you, what the hell? Yeah, right. Who the hell is going to go manage here if it's always my fault? Yeah, yeah. Who's going to want to take that job? Exactly. Just get the have the blame game played on you, you yeah, know. When I have Mike Trout, Shohei Tani, Anthony Rendon, Jared Walsh, I mean, we want to keep going. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And these guys gotta, you know, and he, that is a perfect example because you have Anthony Rendon who can't stay healthy or play well when he's on the field. But he has That's, no problem chirping and starting to fight, right? And fighting, you're batting 100. So how about you get a hit and then maybe you start fighting? Yeah, there's only so much a manager can do about that. You know, you have Trout and Otani, they're playing good. You don't worry about them. You have Jared Walsh, you know. But like as a team. There needs to be some agency put on the players. Um, they're big boys. They're the major leaguers. They can handle criticism. They know how to play the game. Or at least they should. They're getting paid and, million, multi-millions while the manager's getting paid you know, crumbs compared yeah. to those guys. The manager is the glue that puts it all together. Whereas the players are the pieces where if you're missing a piece, kind of hard to put the pulses yeah, together. Yeah, the manager will take, he'll take the blame. He'll take the punches. Oh, yeah. The coaching staff will take the punches. But, you know, sometimes you got to take a punch for your coaching staff and then help him out too. And right now I just don't see that. That, that give and take right now. Mm-hmm. A, little, a, little, a little bit more giving from the managers and a lot more taking from the players yeah. on the on the finger pointing side. And on which the, is harmful. Yeah, I agree. Um to to put it on the to make the argument that yeah the manager does make because the manager does make a difference because oh, we're yeah. not just saying that the players are the only ones there. But look at the Red Sox in what was it, twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, that area. Um they had Bobby Valentine and they were the wor- they were the worst team in the league. And then they got Alex Gore and they won the World Series. You know, so um sometimes just Making a shift like that in management does make a difference, but it's not its not 100% that, it's not 100% the players. There's even some percentage that goes into just the coaching staff 
hitting coach, pitching coach, assistant coaches, bench coach, GM. GMs. I, I mean, just the organization as a whole. If you have an organization that just doesn't spend money and leaves a GM with slim pickings, there's only so much you can expect out of certain players. Like that. I know, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't think I think there needs to be a a little bit of a split there, and I don't think that the manager can always be the scapegoat. Yeah. They can't always be like look at this year. Perfect example, like you talk about the Yankees. Aaron Boone was like just. Kurt, yeah, he was. He people wanted his head. He wanted. They wanted him out. And now look, he's still the manager with more or less the same team, and they are the best team in baseball, probably quite a bit, Possibly as far as the record. Possibly going into the year, a less talented team. Yeah, I, I mean, arguably, yeah. Right. So, you know, it, it. You can't just say, "Oh, it was just Aaron Boone. We figured it out." It's like, well, no, he's still there, and you, you big boys that play the game figured it out. The guys who were supposed to bat. 250, 260, or at least hitting close to that. Instead right. of batting, oh, I'm a 300 hitter and I'm batting 110, Joey Gallo, right? Right. And you look at the Dodgers, Dave Roberts is not a good manager, no. and they're just fine. So, right. <laughs> let's be honest. Well, the Padres, all right, in between. Yeah. Last uh, year was a befuddlement. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you get Bob Melvin, and they're right in the hunt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look what the Giants did with Gabe Kapler, and everyone knows Gabe Kapler wasn't a good manager. <laughs> and then, well, with the Phillies, at least. And then mm-hmm. he goes to the Giants, and they went 110 games out of absolutely nowhere. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the manager and coaching staff does a lot. You know, they can, but the players, you know, it's also that philosophy of coming in, like, hey, it's on you. You're the one stepping in the box. Yeah. Just because I bad you second, bad you third, that ain't going to be the reason why you, oh, I'm, as a two hitter, I'm a 200 hitter. As a three hitter, I'm a 300 hitter. Well, you hit the damn ball. Right. I'm not the reason that you ran into an 8-5 triple play. Yeah, <laughs> like, or I'm the go... reason why, Joey Gallo, you haven't touched the ball since... <laughs> you haven't literally made contact with the ball since the end of May. Yeah. I mean, someone else is at fault here. Right. So. Yeah, so I agree. I think there needs to be more accountability put on the players. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I feel like the, the coaching staff and managers are always a scapegoat. It always seems to be that way. Yeah. Anymore, at least. And, that's, and like I said, it happens. But internally, reporting, I just feel like, hey... At some point, it's, you know, you suck. Yeah, like, you got to... Rendon, you're batting 200 this year, and you got more hits left, and you got righty. You suck. And to not <laughs> keep beating a dead horse, but I think Joey Gallo and Chris Davis are perfect examples because multiple reports for Chris Davis, of course, came out. But even Joey Gallo, in a lot of his reports, says, I'm not a single slitter, I'm not this, I'm not that. Yeah. And he's not even trying to be. I he's wish not I could trying... be more like LeMayu. You can be. Yeah. Cut your swing down. Let's change it. Let's go back to square one. Yeah. And we'll go back from there. Yeah, so it's... But there's... no, you don't want to. You just want to just... I hope you just swing and swing and swing and all of a sudden they throw the ball right down the middle mm-hmm. and hit home runs. And Play the analytical game, you know? Yeah, it's really working. <laughs> you're analytically not... You're <laughs> analytically not going to get a hit as many times as a, as a pitcher that stepped in the box. Right. There's your analytics. Yeah, 100%. A, a pitcher... The pitcher average last year at a, at the uh, uh, the hitting pitchers have a higher average than Joey Gallo this year. Incredible. So as much as we want to get rid of the DA, get rid of the hit, uh, pitcher hitting and get a DH, the pitcher hit better than Joey Gallo. <laughs> the hell of a way to. <laughs> so there's your analytics. Someone should really bring them analytics and be like, "Hey, idiot, you haven't hit the ball since May." <laughs> at all. Jesus <laughs> I know. There needs to be some agency and accountability put on the players. So 100. You're supposed to be good. Like Martin Molinaro, he bats 110. They're like, this guy's great. Yeah, That's right. what they love. That's what they want out of the guy. They want him to bat 110. You know, they're like, oh, well, we're not yeah. here for hitting. Gallo, you're like, hey, you know, get a hit. Mm-hmm. It'd be great. Yeah, right. Play to the back of your baseball card, you know. Somebody's, at yeah. least. <laughs> Somebody's, but yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, you know, um, I, I think that there needs to be uh, more accountability for the players and and, you know, uh, I think managers will still be scapegoated, but in some cases it's good, some cases it's bad. It's always a case-by-case basis, so. It is what it is. Yep. Um, so let's move on to the wrap-up of the news. 
uh, as we always do, who's doing the best right now. Uh, the Yankees still own the best record in the league at 58-22, and 22, while the Astros are behind them in the American League at 52-27. and 27. Uh, Over in the NL, the Dodgers own the best record at 50-29, and 29, with the Mets right on their tail at 50-30. and 30. Uh, The Yankees own the best run differential in the league at plus 162, and the Nationals own the worst at minus 112. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a few teams floating around that 100... Minus hundred run differentials, so it's them, them Royals, yeah, um, Oakland, right? Oakland, I think is hovering Detroit. around there. So there's, yeah, there's teams that that are around there that you wouldn't be surprised at. So some teams I want to mention, hot and cold here. Some hot teams: Astros, Mariners, Brewers, Marlins. Marlins only two games under five hundred. Let me just give they're, credit to they're real, good. Real quick, the Orioles. I believe they're seven games under five hundred. They're their first winning month in five years. Yep, the month of June. They're, they're, I believe they're only seven games under five hundred. And they, um, the stat I saw, they were 13-9 and nine in their last 22. And the only teams that had better records in that span were like the Dodgers, Red Sox, and Yankees. It's incredible. It's, it's awesome. That's good for them. Seven games. That's competitive. That's the hunt. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's not just like, oh, well, at least we're not pushovers. You're in the hunt. Yeah. You have a good week here. You're the wild card team. <laughs> like, Especially with the expanded playoffs. Yeah. And then you're you you going to go to Baltimore and play at that mess in left field. <laughs> I mean, good for, that's good. That's good. Seven, I think there's seven games. That's awesome. The first winning month in five years. I know. That's five that's... years since you won. You 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 had one more win than loss. You were fifteen and fifteen one month. Oh my god, that's insane. But good for them. Yeah, I mean Pittsburgh too playing playing relatively. I mean they've been on. I got them on my cold list here because they lost a couple in a row. But the Marlins only two games under five hundred, winning today. Yeah, about it. Yeah, so good um, for them. But some cold teams here. The Blue Jays have been. Ice cold here. I think they just got swept by Baltimore, didn't they? Who the uh, by the Blue Jays? The Blue Jays? I believe so. Or they lost the series. Got a four to them recently. Yeah, they. Yeah, the Orioles beat them. Yeah. And the Blue Jays were hot going in. Uh, yeah, they've been playing better ball, playing good against the Red Sox and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Angels, of course. The Pirates have been cold. The Giants have just been awful over the last week or so. Yeah, they're yeah they're back down to earth finally. uh, The Padres. But I think the Padres, they were missing Machado quite, for quite some time, so he's back. But um, He was just, out for almost two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> not placing the IL. Yeah, for some story, reason, but, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, those are some teams I got that are, you know, hot and cold. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you know, uh, for the, you know, even though the Pirates and Orioles and stuff are technically, you know, some of those teams are on the cold list. But uh, the fact that we had them both losing like 110 games almost. The Pirates, I really thought they could break the record. Yeah, there wasn't a guy in the team won three names on the whole team that were actually good pitching wise. I mean, Jose Quintana who was the ace coming in, and this guy's he's got to be pushing for the All Star team. I know it's amazing. So this was a team that you could have told me they lost 130 games, and I'd be like, yeah, that, even then, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that's a good year. <laughs> well, yeah. You know? So I mean, good for those teams to kind of at least you know put a good product out for the for the fans. You know, at least make it somewhat so you could watch the game and, and enjoy yourself. That are here on the team, some of these young guys like, hey, we do we we do want to win. Yeah, like we're here, we're, we're trying. We're call but... you guys up and win, but we we just know that we're gonna have to do it a different way, mm-hmm. which is fine. But hey, show me you're gonna try it. Yeah. Instead of just be like, yeah, that was yeah, like the A's, where it's like, yeah, well, we're gonna win. Just yeah, there, yeah, that's a mess. Trust us, and then you ask them what happened, you're like, that's a, f- that's a whole mess. Them, yeah. they're really, yeah, um, that's a whole different story at this point. But so let's move on to who's hot and who's not. I believe I don't have. I don't think I have either of the players of the week. It was Reese Hoskins and uh, and someone else. I mean, was it Benintendi in the AL? Uh, either way, I don't think I have the players of the week, but Reese Hoskins was the NL one. I don't have him, so I thought I'd worth mentioning that. The 
Hot players of the week I have is number one, uh, Andrew Benintendi, batted 474 over the last week, the 526 slugging and a 1071 OPS. Number two, Nolan Arenado, who you mentioned uh, hit for the cycle, uh, batted 420. A weird way to, by the way, a weird way to get the cycle. That last, it was like a. I was say, yeah, controversial single. Yeah. That he had. I don't know what they. I mean, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird, but um, it was like he was already on second, and they were like, oh, it was a single. He got the cycle. It's like okay. <laughs> Uh, he batted 429 over the last week with a 1,000 slugging and a 1455 OPS. Uh, number three, Lourdes Gurriel, batted 429 over the last week with a 714 slugging and a 1214 OPS. Number four, Yandy Diaz, batted 423 over the last week with a 500 slugging and a 1016 OPS. And number five, Josh Bell, batted 421 over the last week with a 789 slugging and a 1289 OPS. Yeah, there's a big trade piece right there. Mm-hmm. Um, some guys I got to mention here, Jose Abreu, Red Hot, Frenchie Cudero. It's been going nuts for for Boston. Ian Happ's been hot of late. Uh, so there's some guys I just wanted to throw out there. Some pitchers I got. Justin Steele from the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Tony Gosselin's been is leading the league in ERA. <laughs> Luis Castillo's been great since he came back from the injured list. Uh, Will Smith picked up a couple saves this last week for the Braves. And Tristan McKenzie for Cleveland had seven innings, one hit. Pitched great the against the Yankees, yeah. Oh, then for, I think, two starts before that, he was terrible. His season's been really good. He had two real bad starts here recently. Um, otherwise, he's been really having a good year. Yeah. We've seen him last year go nuts. He almost threw like three no-hitters in a row. Yeah, he's a, he's a great pitcher. Yeah. He's got a Long bright future. guy. Yeah, for um, sure. But yeah, there's some, some pitchers um, to mention as well that have been uh, really throwing the ball good over the last seven to ten days. Yeah, for sure. That's like the, you know, you throw in him and now Christian Javier, who had really impressive outings against the Yankees. I think Christian Javier followed up his... Outing against the Yankees with the strikeouts and two starts. Yeah, he he's been really good. Um, and for a guy that really had never really been stretched out and was more of a reliever, um, or a short starter, you know, it's pretty good for him. Then the cold players I have this week are uh, number one, Seth Brown, batted 091 over the last week with a 136 slugging and a 303 OPS. Number two, Matt Chapman has really just been pretty disappointing the last two years, I'd say. Uh, maybe even three years now, if I'm, I can't remember. Um, batted 095 over the last week with an 095 slugging and a 220 OPS. Number three, Miles Straw, batted 059 over the last week with an 059 slugging and a 297 OPS. <clears throat> Number four, Mike Trout, a weird name to see on the list, batted 067 over the last week with a 133 slugging and a 200 OPS. And number five, uh, Jan Gomes, batted 071 over the last week with a 143 slugging and a 276 OPS. So those are. Your cold guys and some big names on there, for some of them. Yeah, some guys I got to add to that cold list. We have Bobby Witt, been cold of late. Uh, Raddy Telez and Luis Robert. That's, that one's weird. Luis Robert is still having a pretty good year, though. Yeah. And if he could turn it, really turn it on, I wouldn't be surprised to see him sneak his way into the MVP hunt because that guy could do a little bit of everything. That's the thing. He, he's great defensively. He can steal. He can hit for power. I, yeah. Yep. Not much he can't do. Yep. Some pitchers here that have been struggling. Jorge Lopez, who was doing great for Baltimore. He got beat up here over the last week hmm. um, as our closer, I believe. Hunter Green's pushing the uh, rookie home run record as a pitcher, giving up. Jesus. Yeah. He, uh, when you throw hard like that, you know, you miss up in the zone. The guy gets a little contact in Cincinnati, the ball jumps. So all of a sudden, see you later. It's barely, it's barely July. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, Ian Anderson getting beat up pretty much all year. Kyle Gibson got a little, a little bit in Dakota Hudson for um, the Cardinals. Got a... Got a little up here. Um, so there's some cold pitchers mm-hmm. um, as well over the last, you know, seven or ten days. Yeah. The next thing I got here is the injury list. Too crazy. Actually, I think it was a good injury uh, report this week. It's a lot of guys coming back or on the verge more than going out. Uh, we had Ron Maraccio for the Yankees placing the IL shoulder. He 
15, 16 consecutive innings without a run. It was something like that, and yeah. Guy who wow, he's from Tom, from our area. Me, Mike faced him. Yeah. Uh, growing up, so uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Josh Naylor, day to day, you know that crazy guy. Um, he's nuts. Archie Bradley for um, the Angels again. You got to add to. Rendon and even Phil Nevin running their mouths to start a fight, and you lose one of your best relievers with a fractured elbow. So, nice job, Angels. You're really riding up nice. Yeah. Um, it just bothers me with the Angels, too, because I'm a team that's been a guy that's been kind of with the Angels, saying, hey, they're getting better. Hey, they're going to make the right moves. Hey, they had a good start to the year. I had, them, I had money on them. They're going to win the division. And then they come out here and they embarrass everybody. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. embar- like if you're a baseball fan, you're embarrassed that the Angels play baseball. That's where, <laughs> how bad they are. There have been a more letdown than the Tigers, a more letdown than than you know the Royals, more of a letdown than the Twins last year. They're just an embarrassment to baseball at this mm-hmm. point. And the fact that Mike Trout plays out there, Mike Trout doesn't want to be there. See the video with him, the guy tipping pitches, and he was disgusted in center field. Uh-huh. And people want to talk about how good you know Otani is, and well, they're embarrassing because they don't even come close to the playoffs. So maybe step it up, right? Open your mouth if you're Trout and Otani, but hey, you guys suck. <laughs> All right, how about that? Yeah. A little, it's just frustrating because it is on the team and everything else. But the players got to step up and say something. If I'm Mike Trout, like you guys all suck. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Now let's go do something. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. Gosh, they are an embarrassment. They wasted the end of Poulos' career, too. Yep. I, mean, I don't know how healthy he would have been, but any other franchise, you know, you probably finished with 700 home runs, but not that lonely franchise. Yeah, really. The fact they play in L.A. I know. You'd think they'd be. You know, you think that baseball would rig the damn thing for for them to be good? Mm. It's L.A. Jeez, Louise. I know. Terrible, but uh, Jorge Soler placed on the I.L. Juan Soto day to day with a calf injury. He should be fine. Ranger Suarez placed in the I.L. Adam Warren, Kirk Sally a bleak injury. Chris Taylor, day to day, he's going from some tests. He might be placed in the I.L. And Disco Fani got came back, ankle surgery, gone. See you later. He's done for the year. So that's pretty much it on that side. So not nothing too. Big, big name-wise. Yeah. Um, on the good side, we have Ryan Thompson for the Rays. Activated. Chris Sale, supposed to pitch a rehab start, I believe, tomorrow. And the hope is he'll be activated. Miguel Sano starting a uh, rehab assignment. Liam Hendricks and Adam Engel, both activated. Uh, Jacob Rizzi activated. Eddie Rosario and Tyler Matzik, both back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey Wendell activated. <clears throat> Joey Lunchpail, of course. <laughs> uh, Jacob Jesus. DeGrom pitched in single A. So we'll see him, hopefully, at the end of July. Max Scherzer's back. Uh, Bryce Harper did get thumb surgery, but the expectations he'll be back in mid-August. So that's actually really good news. Mm-hmm. Tyler Stevenson should be back sometime this week for the Reds, one of the better hitting catchers. Seiya Suzuki activated, hit an inside-the-park home run yesterday. And Tatis is slowly climbing his way back into playing baseball for the Padres. So on the good side of news, that's a lot of big names and all relatively good news. So this was a really pretty good injury, injury news week, I mm. guess you could say, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, like kind of I always say every week. You want a you want a better injury list than seeing people out for the year. I think you said Discofani's out for the year, but I guess at this point though, if you're in July and you have a uh, not a major injury, but like a, a moderate injury, it's it, been it, hurt all year too. Yeah, so it's almost just a lost season. Sometimes you're just like, well, I'm back up, I'm hurt. You know, it's just, just yeah. it's, you're just you're just lost. Those guys that just have those kind of years, it stinks. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but the last thing I got. Uh, as a trivia question, didn't really know where to go with this. So, you know, we've seen, um, the other day we've seen a guy, uh, I don't remember who exactly it was, but he had like a 50-pitch inning. Yeah. So I thought that was, you know, weird, so I wanted to go with a trivia question. Since 1988, when pitch count tracking started, 
what is the most pitches thrown in one inning? And the answer is in July 26, 1999, Cardinals at the Giants. Dusty Baker was the manager. Uh, Russ Ortiz threw 62 pitches in one inning. Good God. So there's your record. So the most pitches thrown in a single inning by one player is 62 pitches. God, so much. I believe they won that game, too. It's even more incredible. <laughs> Dusty Baker was the manager, and I guess that was probably a big reason why they, uh, he got that, you know, aura around him that he beat the life out of pitchers with their arms. Mm-hmm. I guess that was probably where it, where it started, or definitely a big reason why he got that. It definitely didn't help the cause. 62 pitches won. Hey, hey, they won the game. Yeah. So I guess maybe it was the right decision, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I asked Russ Ortiz. He threw 62 pitches in the second inning. I'm sure he wasn't feeling too good. No, it's a rough Every inning. Every time he threw 12 pitches in the first inning, all right, I feel pretty good. He threw 62 in the second. Like, I think I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, think that... I think I'll come back for the third. I might throw 100. I might throw five. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm good for the day. That was yeah. all I needed. Yeah, we bring somebody else in there, Chief. Yeah, <laughs> warm <laughs> someone up, huh? <laughs> yeah, you got to warm everybody up. Yeah, at, the, at that point. called somebody from my, the AAA to make it in time. <laughs> 62 pitches in one inning. Jeez. I know, Jesus Christ. So, uh, But that's a trivia question. So I thought that was just, um seen something recently with the pitches, a lot of pitches in one inning. So I said, well, what is the record? You know, I figured it had to be pretty close or pretty recent because no one tracked it for a while. So there's your there's your answer. I'd like to know if there was some guy in like 1903 that threw like 100 pitches in one inning. Oh, just yeah, definitely. Like, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Just go ahead, keep going. <laughs> yeah. You're doing great. They just forgot how many outs there were. The guy yeah. probably got six outs that inning, and they're like, yeah, yeah, two, two, two outs, two outs. Yeah, bring him in. Yeah, you only got two outs. Like, guy, I just struck three guys out in a row. <laughs> what do you want over. from me? I you go, right? Yeah. Do 110 pitches in the first inning or something like that, and finished the game. Yeah, that's, yeah. They went four for four, four home runs, you know, triple, and finished the game. Yeah. Yeah. Had 450 pitches, it's fine. Yeah, and by the fifth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, by the fifth inning, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's all right. It's he like pitched a... in two days later, he was on the bump again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, the arm's fine, coach. Yeah, yeah. no, it's great. No, you tie your shoes without bending down. That guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Jesus. All right. Well, uh, that's all I got for this episode, really. You know, again, it was a pretty eventful week in baseball. Again, I thought it was weird that some teams, I think it was the Angels, Yankees, and I think there were two other teams that didn't play oh, my God. on 4th of July. I thought that it's was like strange. Philly. Yeah. The Phillies. Yeah, of all uh, teams. It's just, I, I dumbfounded. I, that really bothered me, too, that they don't play on 4th of July. Yeah. Doesn't you make know, any sense. You play baseball on Friday. You play baseball on Saturday. You play baseball on Sunday. Right? That's set in stone. Those days you play baseball. On. Mm-hmm. You play baseball on Labor Day. You play baseball on Memorial Day. You play baseball on Father's Day. You play baseball on Mother's Day. You play baseball on Independence Day. Yeah. How freaking hard is that? I know it's amazing that, especially big teams, Yankees, Phillies. I mean, come on now. Yeah, it's just stupid. And then they, oh, you got you know the Pirates that in the Yankees are wearing their stuff today because they didn't get to play yesterday. Just have them play. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like the holiday's over. I don't. I don't get it. What gets me is you got these teams. We had a shortened schedule or condensed schedule, right? We missed a week and a half to start the year. Mm -hmm. You think, oh man, well we really fucked the schedule up. We shortened the schedule. Let's make make good. Have them play on damn Memorial Day and Fourth of July to make up for a game. (laughs) Really? I know. No, let's not have them play. Stupid. Yeah. It's just, uh, I I couldn't believe that. I don't understand it, but I couldn't believe this. Besides, so I have a Super Bowl on Monday next year, too. <laughs> yeah, so really just shake you. things up. Just play the day. I just I couldn't believe that. That bothered me. I just, that was just stupid. I agree. I thought it was weird. And they did it for Memorial Day, too, so I'm not really surprised, but still. I just don't play, know. I, I don't understand. Yeah. You, you got the whole holiday to yourself. Well, yeah. And you threw it away. <laughs> I don't know. Day game, 
baseball stadium. You got fireworks. It's the holiday. You got the hot dogs going. Joey Chestnut's munching on 70 <laughs> hot dogs. I mean, just how it goes. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And we're sitting home. We can't play baseball today. Well, what the hell's wrong, people? Yeah, I know. I don't know we what the schedule is. We have fireworks every Friday. It's 4th of July. You got to have a game. We're not playing. Well, it's, it's stupid. Oh, my God. I can't believe <laughs> that. I just can't believe that. Holy jeez. Doesn't make sense, but that's how it went. And uh, if you're one of the, I guess I guess it was four, maybe six teams that didn't play, it was weird. It was like, oh, the Yankees are off today. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, they're off. Uh, All right. Yeah, we don't play baseball on Friday either. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. Let's pick a random day. Yeah, let's just, yeah, we don't play on the weekend no more. Yeah. Not sure. No, that makes sense. <laughs> But other than that, <laughs> uh, that's all I kind of had for this episode. Just, uh, you know, hope everyone had a good 4th of July and were able to watch your team. And, uh, yeah. you know, not everyone, but, you know. Watch something, um, at least. You watch Joey Chestnut. Yeah. Going nuts. I, I would Fif- hope, yeah. 15, uh, 15 times. I know. Champion. Eight, what, 63 hot dogs? What a broke foot. Yeah. <laughs> what a bad foot. And he broke some guy's neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he took that yeah. guy down. What the wrestler, uh, protester? Yeah, there was a guy in the middle of sign, it, yeah. and it's still won by twenty hot dogs. Well, yeah, and hasn't trained much because his foot—he's been um, broke it, and then he had surgery, and then complications with the surgery. So he's dealing with a lot. Yeah, actually, with him, so he doesn't really train much. But he came in and munched down sixty-three. Hot yeah, dogs. it doesn't matter to him. Yeah, hot dogs all over his face. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and something else. I know we're, we're running here on some time, but you guys have a chance. You got to go watch that Badlands Booker guy. Oh, I know, guy. chugging that, that lemonade. lemonade. Last year he did it in 37 seconds and he wasn't even trying. This year he did it in like seven seconds. He <laughs> That's unbelievable. I know. He just takes it and, you know, his chest sticks out past his forehead. You know, he's <laughs> unbelievable. 500 pounds and he's just, look, 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 it's gone. Yeah. Oh, people matter. didn't even start yet. Yeah. Like they suck out of a stroll. This guy just took his whole mouth on there. <laughs> gone. He's awesome. Unbelievable. I know. That uh, dude's that, awesome. That's, impre- that's impressive. You have him and Joey Chestnut, and you just never... You have uh, endless entertainment. Yeah. Invite them to a barbecue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You never... This guy drinks everything. This guy <laughs> drinks the cool dry. This guy ate hot dogs before we even got on the grill, you know? Yeah, you need a keg just for him, you know? Yeah. And just fill it up with lemonade, this fucking guy. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just... Uh, look at him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he makes sense, yeah. you know? He used to compete in the hot dog thing. Oh, yeah? Just yeah. couldn't keep up with Joey Chestnut, of all people. No, so he just decided to go nuts and some lemonade. <laughs> yeah, those oh, yeah. guys, they do, they go, they got donuts they do, and they have a, the wing contest, and pizza. It's insane. But there's no one better than Joey Chestnut No, hot dogs. Winning 15, 15 time champ. He won eight in a row, and lost, and it won seven more in a row. Yeah. It's like the Celtics in the 60s or whatever, yeah. you know? He literally has 15 championships at one event. Yeah. If you want to, you know, count that as your sporting event or whatever, he's got the most. Yeah. 15 times. It's incredible. Jesus Christ. Eat a hot dog. <laughs> incredible event. Yeah, yeah. You know, they call him out. They got the crowds going nuts. USA chants. And he's, he's <laughs> up there just to munch on some hot dogs, you know? <laughs> Dip them in water like I'm making acid. And like. you never assume it either when you look at him. You never really think, you know? No. So. Eat a hot dog like that. You know, I got to pull a mustard on it or something. Yeah. This guy's just dipping them in water and <laughs> munch them down his throat. Like, just, yeah, heck? throwing them down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. I ate 70 hot dogs today. Yeah. Yeah, no big deal. Nah. My stomach's fine. Yeah. It's only 12. It's lunchtime. <laughs> what the hell's he eating for dinner, you know? Yeah. I said 98 wings. Yeah. Oh, you know, oh. oh okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, took or he's away. just in a coma for another few days. Well, I'm sure he digs a gallon of lemonade and chugs that down 12 <laughs> seconds and he's ready to go for the next day. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, Joe, shout out to Joey Chestnut. He's awesome. Yeah. And Badlands, that guy Badlands. That guy's incredible. Yeah, choking down lemonade. It's awesome. Yeah, he's just incredible. You gotta watch that. You go watch that for mm. sure. If you're gonna get, take your time to go watch him, uh, him chug down that. Wow! Yeah, that lemonade. Two years in a row. 
totally. It's it's amazing. It's, it's incredible human feat. <laughs> yeah, just, I guess you call it athleticism. I don't even that's know. That's yeah. That's just peak. <laughs> peak peak yeah. male specimen, you know. <laughs> he drinks that lemonade. It's incredible. That was one of the. I'm like, I'm like, damn, this is we got. We got to talk about this a little bit more. Yeah. Like, I hey, drink some lemonade, and then the hot dogs. It's like, this, no, no, no. This yeah. Guy what about found, this guy? This guy just emptied the lemonade machine into his mouth. Literally in seven seconds. <laughs> like what? It's incredible. Oh, it's awesome, but. <laughs> Watch it uh, every year. Yeah. Every year, 12 o'clock, I turn that on and watch him eat the hot dogs. Now, the last two years, it's him go out, go to town some lemonade. And God, that's, it makes me, it makes me, I go cook a hot dog. Yeah, really? I'm not going to eat it like that. That doesn't get you fired up for 4th of July. I don't know what will. Yeah. It fires <laughs> you right up. Yeah. Yeah. Get you going for your barbecue. That's for sure. <laughs> Look what I learned. Yeah. Eat this freaking hot dog right here. Yeah, check this party trick out. <laughs> yeah, yeah get, just chug down the gallon of, you know, lemonade so none of the kids have nothing to drink. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks, guy. Thanks you brought this that. guy. Yeah. Yeah, so. All right, well, on that note, uh, like I said, that's all I had for this episode. Uh, like I said, hope everyone had a good 4th of July and chugged down some hot dogs and some lemonade, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. yeah, that's all I got, unless, you know, unless you got anything else, you can wrap this one up. No, that's it. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. You can catch this podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts and Spotify. You can listen on our regularly updated YouTube channel as well as our website, screwball.podbean.com. You can follow me on Twitter at RealMikeLapree. You can follow me on Instagram at MikeLapree. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FTubs10. You can follow our official Screwball Twitter at ScrewballPod. You can follow our official Screwball Facebook at ScrewballPod. No Ian Screw. And that's it from us, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep. Take care. <laughs>